This is Cultured Hollywood for Smart People for Wednesday, September 18th, 2019. I'm Nico, I'm your host, talking movies, television, music, and so much more in a way that smart people can enjoy them. No time to spare, let's jump right into today's biggest pop culture stories. And we'll begin with the streaming wars, which have hit a critical point, I would say, in the past week. The streaming wars are really heating up. D-Day is upon us. <laughs> NBC Universal has stormed the beaches at HBO Max, and we are about to get some serious movement in this battle. So let's talk about Peacock. Yes, Peacock. That's the name of NBC's upcoming streaming service, launching April 2020, price point to be determined. I'll say that one more time, Peacock. Who thought that was a good idea? What genius at NBC? Was it Bob Greenblatt? Who came up with that name? And how is Peacock.com not a porn site already? That's what I want to (laughs) know. How is Peacock.com not owned by some explicit content producer? I just went to Peacock.com. Does not appear that NBC owns it because it's just a white page with the word Peacock spelled in all capital letters. Uh, Probably should have exercised more caution before punching that in to my (laughs) web browser. Who knows what what I could have stumbled upon there? What uh, what lemon party esque website would have infected my home screen? Uh, so here's the deal: Peacock. I think it's a terrible name. I don't know why you would have put the word cock anywhere near the name of your streaming platform. Um, but I don't know. It's NBC. It's an iconic logo. Neither here nor there. And here's what's featured on the platform. As previously announced, The Office will be leaving Netflix in 2020. The exclusive streaming home will be this new platform, along with Parks and Rec, The Good Place, other Mike Schur comedies, some other stuff from the NBC library like Cheers. Um, And I guess, according to this announcement, a Battlestar Galactica reboot from Sam Esmail... A reboot of the comedy Punky Brewster? Y'all, what is happening here? What are we doing? For all you Brewster punks, all you punky heads out there, Punky Brewster getting a reboot. Nothing is sacred anymore. And uh, I don't know. I guess other stuff from Mike Schur. You know the drill. It's going to be like must-see TV Thursday night comedies, except on a streaming platform now. Noticeably absent, by the way, from this library is Friends, which I think we talked about a few months ago, is going to be on HBO Max, which incidentally, just this week, purchased the rights to Big Bang Theory for a whopping $1 billion. That's like three Donald Trumps. That's what it took to get Big Bang Theory on HBO Max. This deal is just mind-blowing, but I guess it makes total sense. HBO bought Big Bang Theory. I guess um, Time Warner and and AT&T, which is now the parent company of Time Warner, is responsible for the production of Big Bang Theory, and that's why they made such a push to get it on HBO Max along with Friends. That's the real confusing thing. About all of this. Because if you're just a layman. If you don't follow this stuff with the veracity that I do. You'd be like wait a minute. Why isn't Big Bang Theory just on CBS All Access? Why isn't Friends on the NBC platform? Don't the networks that air those shows. Get exclusive rights to stream them? And the answer is of course not. Because Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David. And the creators behind Friends. Clearly don't have enough in their bank accounts. Uh, they, they must earn more syndication deals. Here's the thing. Network television is very confusing. So here's the deal. Just because a network airs a television show doesn't mean the network had anything to do with the production of the show. 
So most networks like CBS, NBC, Fox have their own production houses. And that's where the content is made. They hire the actors, they hire the directors, they get the writer's room together, they fund the production of the pilot, and then they go and pitch that pilot to the network. So although it's all under the same umbrella, CBS, the production company, is a separate entity from CBS, the television network. When a CBS production goes to pilot and the pilot is completed, it's pitched to CBS, the network. And CBS, the network, can decide whether or not they want to green light that show and give it a 22-episode order and let it air week to week. Sometimes, after a show is produced, or a pilot is produced, I should say, by the production company, the network won't pick it up. So this happened a few years ago with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a NBC Universal production. NBC passed on Brooklyn Nine-Nine to air as part of their Thursday night comedy lineup, and it ended up at Fox instead. So Fox, the network, aired Brooklyn Nine-Nine each week, but NBC Universal was producing the content. They owned the rights to the show. So when Fox ended up canceling Brooklyn Nine-Nine, NBC, its original parent company, swallowed it up. And that's why Brooklyn Nine-Nine is on NBC right now. Friends aired on NBC, but it's a Warner Brothers production. Big Bang Theory aired on CBS, but it's a Warner Brothers production. So Time Warner and AT&T are starting this new streaming service called HBO Max. This is all under the Warner Brothers umbrella. One of their priorities when launching the platform was to get some of their original properties back. They wanted the exclusive streaming rights to Big Bang Theory and Friends. Because they view those shows as their baby. The Office, for example, is an NBC show, aired on NBC, is also under the Universal NBC production umbrella. So that was a natural fit. The Office was going to always stay with NBC. Big Bang Theory and Friends, not necessarily. Right? So HBO, Warner Brothers, got Friends, got Big Bang Theory for an absorbent price tag. Just so, so much money. That's going to be on HBO Max for the foreseeable future. Uh, The Office, uh, Parks and Rec, all that stuff gets to stay with NBC Universal. And meanwhile, Netflix, which is responsible for relaunching some of these shows like Friends and The Office. I mean, I think directly responsible for The Office's popularity. Friends was always a big show. It could have found a second life in syndication and it would be thought of fondly without Netflix. But like The Office was sort of a fringe sitcom when it first aired. It was fairly popular, but it wasn't like Seinfeld. It wasn't Cheers. The Office popularized it with young people. And now it's perhaps one of the most popular television shows of all time. Netflix has now been left at the altar. They're stuck. They're losing Friends. They're losing The Office. They're losing Parks and Rec. All these, uh, all these sitcoms are going back home. And so they invested very heavily in Seinfeld. Seinfeld is coming to Netflix in 2021. Incidentally enough, although it aired on NBC, Seinfeld is a Sony property. Sony, as far as I can tell, is not involved in the streaming wars in any way, shape, or form. But give it time, people. <laughs> anyway, Netflix uh, got a big piece to the puzzle here. So Seinfeld will soon be available to stream. Here's the only point I want to make. This is all very confusing. We uh, have hit peak streaming. We are rapidly approaching the point where there are so many streaming services that consumers just say, fuck it, give me cable, right? (laughs) But here's the only point I want to make on the matter. For all this talk about the television landscape evolving, The golden age of television is upon us. The medium has changed forever. Auteurs are flocking to television. Mainstream stars are flocking to television. David Fincher and Steven Soderbergh and Meryl Streep, they're all doing TV shows. Who needs movies anymore? We have Breaking Bad, Mad Men, The Sopranos. TV as we once knew it is gone, and now this new superior art form has emerged. For all this talk about the golden age of television, 
Why is it that the most important deals that Netflix, HBO, and NBC have done in the last two months is for sitcoms from the 90s? How do you figure that? How do you figure after Netflix has poured billions of dollars into original content? There are a total of 10 films Netflix will be releasing between now and December in contention for the Oscars. They've done House of Cards and Orange is the New Black and Mindhunter and Ozark and The Crown and now they're doing this Breaking Bad movie and it's all new, new, new prestige, high quality content. But at the end of the day, the most important deal they made was for Seinfeld. How do you figure? Well, I'll tell you how I figure. Our television viewing habits really haven't changed all that much. And that's the cold, hard truth. That's the reality of things. For as much as you love Game of Thrones, as much as I love Succession, as much as I love Barry on HBO and Master of None on Netflix and all the great prestige Emmy bait dramas and comedies, at the end of the day, people just want a sitcom. People just want Big Bang Theory. People just want Friends. People just want Seinfeld. Low emotional investment. I don't got to think all that much. I don't have to spend too much time watching. I have a free half hour, a free 22 minutes in the middle of my day. Let me pop on an episode of Seinfeld from season four. If I want, I can sit here for six hours. I can watch 12 episodes of The Office, maybe 13 or 14. If I have the time. At the end of the day, people still want a good sitcom. Live studio audience, laugh track, multi-camera setup, three locations in total. They're not emotionally draining. They're not intellectually stimulating. They're comfort food. They're dependable. They're a shot of serotonin. Every 30 seconds, that's television. It's always there. It's never changing. Long day at the office, plop down on the couch, hang out with George and Jerry for a half hour. Just dump by your boyfriend, spend some time with Ross and Rachel. They'll cheer you up. That's TV. Half hour sitcoms is what we crave And I understand there are new possibilities. The medium continues to evolve, no doubt. And there is more good television on now than ever before. I I do not dispute that. And I do not discount the greatness of some of those shows. Breaking Bad, Mad Men, The Sopranos, The Wire. Like, if it were not for the golden age of TV, those shows would not exist. And I think the world would be worse off for it. But let's not undersell I Love Lucy. Let's not undersell the Honeymooners. Let's not undersell the Jeffersons or All in the Family. That's what people have always wanted out of TV. And that's what these streaming services on the cutting edge of new television will continue to chase. You can't stop a good sitcom. Um, <laughs> it's just nuts. These deals are just nuts. A billion dollars for the Big Bang Theory. And I'm sure it will be worth every penny. People, I don't like that show. I quite loathe that show. But people will watch that show for decades. And like Ozark will just not have that type of staying power. You know what I mean? Mindhunter will not have that staying power. These are all excellent shows. They will vie for Emmys. And I'm sure that's... All that Netflix wants. Netflix wants credibility when they produce something like Mindhunter. Uh, They want the prestige of working with David Fincher, collaborating with a high-profile director. And they also want to serve every niche audience. And Mindhunter certainly works for a very specific subset of of the at-home audience. But like Big Bang Theory, Friends, The Office, Seinfeld, they are universal. Um... So that's why you're going you're gonna to continue to see more of these deals. 
And they're only going to grow in notoriety over the years. They're not going to go away. Friends is only going to become more popular. Seinfeld's only going to become more popular. The Office is only going to become more popular. That's TV to me. And I've been saying this for a long time. Television is at its best when it doesn't break the rules. Television is at its best when it's comfort food, when it's predictable, when it's safe, when it's familiar. Like All this other stuff is not really TV. And so a show like Succession, which I'm currently watching, by the way, um, if like you're a fan of Succession, if you're caught up with it and you want to talk, this is a free invitation onto the podcast. I'm putting this out there. I'm putting this out there right now because all I want to do is talk about Succession, but no one in my life is watching it. And it upsets me because I've been telling everyone I've been proselytizing the shit out of this show. Everyone I know, you need to watch Succession. You will love it. Please start watching so I can talk to you about it. I, I haven't gotten any response back. No one's even tried. Please, for the love of God, if you watch Succession, hit me up. You have a free invite onto Cultured. We can talk about season two. But Succession is a tremendous show and certainly it would not have aired on CBS in the 90s. But that show is at its best when it falls back on the conventions of television, when it deals with very basic family dynamics, when it spits out jokes like a sitcom. It's certainly a new television show. It is of the golden age. It has a lot of profanity, a lot of cursing, deals with very uh, edgy subject matter. Of course, it's an HBO drama through and through, but it never forgets that it's a TV show. And the point of a TV show is to introduce you to characters that you want to spend more time with. Um, That is what we will always want out of TV, and that's what we're always going to get. And those are the shows that are going to make multi-billion dollar royalty deals with Warner Brothers. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with Peacock. I have... I have no idea. I really don't know. Because I don't think all of these platforms are going to last. I don't think there's enough room for six to seven streaming services because I've said this a million times. At a certain point, you're going to be paying $10 for Hulu, $13 for Netflix, $10 for Amazon Prime. Now we're adding Disney, Apple, NBC Universal, and HBO to the mix along with something like CBS All Access, Shudder, the Criterion Channel. At a certain point, we're all going to shake our heads and be like, Just give me one subscription. Put this all together. Give me one platform. I'll pay the flat rate. And that's cable. It's going to go in a circle. It's it's become so fragmented now. um, It's it's just not going to be affordable. You're going to have to pay for eight, nine, ten streaming services a month. It's going to get more expensive than your cable bill. Uh, but we'll see. I guess we'll see. Also, HBO Max is remaking the Boondocks. Did you see that? (laughs) Oh, so much original programming. I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to sign up for all of these things. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm already, I'm I'm already into, to Disney plus. They're going to take my money the second that thing launches. And when I buy a new iPhone, I'll look forward to watching Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon on my iPhone uh, with Apple TV. So, uh, yeah, we're in the streaming wars. Welcome to Thunderdome. Not all of these platforms are getting out alive. We'll see what it is very shortly. Let's take a break. When we come back, much more from the world of popular culture. It's cultured. Stick around. So I want to talk about this SNL thing because I'm kind of a glutton for putting my foot in my mouth. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Somehow it's the only thing I find acceptable to put in my mouth. You know, like I don't find 99% of foods edible. I'm not willing to try a slice of pizza, but for some reason the taste of dead skin and toenails is scrumptious to me. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> it's where my foot belongs. Um, so this guy Shane Gillis, 
This guy's Shane Gillis. He's an up-and-coming comic, a stand-up, I believe, in New York, right? Yeah, he's from the New York comedy scene. Was recently hired by Saturday Night Live as a new featured player. There were three new cast announcements made this week. He was one of them. SNL does this every year. There's usually about four to five new cast members uh, any given season. So Shane Gillis is... um, is staring superstardom right in the face. This is his big break. If you're a struggling sketch comic or improviser or stand-up, getting a job on SNL means you've made it. I am now an industry professional. I am now going to be taken seriously among my peers. Anyway, he's hired by SNL. Promptly, a leaked uh, video clip emerges on Twitter. I guess it's not leaked. It's a public clip, but the video was since pulled from YouTube. This little minute and a half snippet is uh, still out there floating around social media, and it's an excerpt from Shane Gillis's podcast. The podcast is called Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast. Not so secret anymore, Shane. Uh, He co-hosts with this other comic, Matt McCuster, Matt McCusker, I'm sorry. Um, And in this clip, again, it's about a minute and a half, two minutes long. Shane Gillis is uh, seen using a racial slur, you know the one, to describe Chinese people in Chinatown, in New York's Chinatown. And uh, it's not particularly funny. I watched the entire clip. I did not laugh once. Perhaps it's not my brand of comedy. And there was a public outcry the second this happened, and Shane Gillis took to social media to defend himself. And here's what he said, quote, I'm a comedian who pushes boundaries. I sometimes miss. I'm happy to apologize to anyone who's actually offended by anything I've said. My intention is never to hurt anyone, but I am trying to be the best comedian I can be, and sometimes that requires risks. Well, that didn't help matters because just five days later, Shane Gillis was fired from Saturday Night Live and he takes to Twitter yet again for another public relations press release. Here's the quote this time. It feels ridiculous for comedians to be making serious public statements, but here we are. I'm a comedian who was funny enough to get SNL. That can't be taken away. Of course, I wanted an opportunity to prove myself at SNL, but I understand it would be too much of a distraction. I respect the decision they made. I'm honestly grateful for the opportunity. I was always a mad TV guy anyway. Well, that just wasn't necessary. Okay. Uh, Dicey, right? Dicey territory. We're talking about comics again. We had a similar conversation with Dave Chappelle last week. I praised Dave Chappelle's special. Some people were offended by it. Some people thought it was the PC media elites overreacting. Some people thought that the overreaction was justified. Here we are again judging comedy. And this is really, 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 really dangerous. Because this particular debate not only involves what you can or cannot say within the realm of comedy, this involves the nature of comedy itself. The question here is, Shane Gillis is a stand-up comic. Does that automatically make everything he says comedy? Just because he does comedy, and just because he has a podcast where he talks with his friend, does that make Everything said on the podcast, comedy. Because that's Shane Gillis's defense. And I have to admit, I'm a bit puzzled by it. I simply don't know. Now, my gut is, Shane and Matt, these two jerk-offs, who are not that funny to begin with, let's be honest. Let's be honest about things. From the little I've seen of this podcast, it's not particularly funny. But that's neither here nor there. These two are struggling stand-ups. I think that means their podcast is meant to be in jest, right? Like, they're not attempting social commentary. They're not attempting political commentary. They're not attempting to accurately represent the racial makeup of New York City. I think that means whatever that podcast is, is supposed to be taken as a joke. 
And everything they say on that podcast can be interpreted as a joke. I don't imagine Shane Gillis would say these horribly racist things at the Thanksgiving dinner table. You know what I'm saying? I don't think if you got like three beers in him, this is what he actually believes. Doesn't mean the joke is funny. Doesn't mean like you can't be offended by it. I was certainly offended by it. But we also have to talk about intent. The intent here was to get a laugh. I think. I could be wrong, but I think that's what the intent was. So, question number two. If we establish this is comedy, can we now use the comedy label to excuse all forms of racist, offensive behavior and speech? Can we just dismiss it altogether because it's trying to get a laugh? Is an exception made for offensive speech, sexist speech, racist speech, homophobic speech, in the playground of comedy? Where do you draw the line? And of course, this is a very complicated question because some people are offended by some things. Some people are not offended by those same things. Some people say there's a line that you cannot cross. Others say there is no line that you can or cannot cross. Some people draw the line in different locations. It's all very messy. Can you talk about the Holocaust on stage? Can you talk about slavery on stage? Can you use racial slurs? Can you use derogatory terms about gay people? Are certain minority groups off limits? Can you punch up? Can you punch down? This is where things get messy because comedy, of course, my friends, is subjective. So this is where it gets complicated because we don't have a universal answer to any of these questions. Was Shane Gillis's comment about Chinese people a joke? I guess. Was Shane Gillis's joke about Chinese people funny? I didn't think so. But I'm sure someone could. Did you find the joke to be offensive? Well, certainly. But I'm less likely to find it unacceptable. I'm less likely to find his offensive joke too far over the line if I'm laughing. The problem was I wasn't laughing. That's the problem, right? We will always side with the funnier comic. We will always side with the guy that makes us laugh, regardless of our own moral objections. We will forgive Dave Chappelle. We will give him more money. We will allow him to produce more content because he's damn good at doing his job. Problem with Shane Gillis is the comment just wasn't very funny. Offense will always be allowed as long as the audience is laughing. And we'll make room for that. And this is the game that comedians continue to play with us and that we continue to play back. As long as you're keeping us laughing, we're cool. This just wasn't very funny. So who am I to say? Should SNL have fired Shane Gillis? I mean, if they thought it was too much for audiences to handle, yeah, okay. I don't think this would have been particularly productive for the upcoming season. It would have been too much of a distraction, I agree. Um... I, I don't think SNL wants to associate itself with this particular brand of comedy. Um, they are still a network television show that's pretty, I don't know, straight down the middle in terms of comedy. It's always like, it's PG-13 stuff. They don't get too edgy on air. It's it's made for, uh, I would say, a, a family-friendly audience. Parental guidance is strongly suggested if your kids are up that late watching SNL. But certainly something like this has no place on that type of show. So, (sighs) look, man, this is comedy. It's a really dangerous business because there is no right or wrong answer. There's only so much we will tolerate. And this seemed to be over the line. But who's to say? Because everyone's line is different. Here's the larger point that I do want to make, though. And it doesn't seem like anybody's talking about this. Um, as someone that hosts a podcast himself, in fact, who hosts many podcasts himself, I don't think people realize how dangerous this medium is. 
podcasts are going to be the death of many people's career. Not just Shane Gillis. Like, there will be far more high-profile celebrities to be taken down by remarks made on a podcast. Look at Tesla stocks dropped like 10% after Elon Musk smoked weed with Joe Rogan. Like, it's... This is a very dangerous game we're all playing. Like, podcasting is freeform jazz. It's improv. It's off the cuff. And there's a very laid-back attitude about it. There's no audience unless you're streaming live. Oftentimes, you're drinking beers. Maybe you just smoked a substance of some kind ahead of time. You're hanging out with your buddies. Sometimes you forget the microphone is there. In fact, most times you forget the microphone is there. And weird shit slips out. Like back in the day, if you were a comic, if you were polishing up material, you would say it in a club. No one had any cell phones. You weren't allowed to bring in any recording devices. You said it. You got some heckles. And that was the end of the joke. Now, comics are workshopping their material in front of thousands of people on the internet. And it's there permanently. There's always a record of every comment you make. Podcasting is really dangerous. And I've done my best. I've done my absolute best to avoid stepping in the minefields. Um, I've definitely put my foot in my mouth one too many times on the show. If you dig back, there's certainly enough stuff in the archive to cause me to lose a job. Let's say the job was high profile enough. You could definitely find something. For the most part, I try to engage in a moral uh, way and I try to say things that I mean and I try not to offend anybody and I, uh, I do my best to be on my best behavior, but I produce a lot of content a week and the nature of this, sitting in a room with your friends, bad things can come out of your mouth and you don't realize it and there's no turning back. Once you've said it, you cannot take it away. Uh, This process used to be behind closed doors. This process used to be in person, in front of 20 people. You would bomb. You would get booed. People would be like, oh, that joke, that was a real stinker. Wouldn't have said that, and they'd move on. Podcasting's a different animal. When you just allow all of your unfiltered, raw thoughts You let them loose onto the internet. Dangerous things can happen. Careful, podcasters. This is what can happen to you. I'm sure Shane Gillis doesn't actually mean the things he said about Chinatown on his stupid podcast show. Uh, But Lord knows I've been there. I've been there. And sometimes stupid things can come out of your mouth, especially if you're attempting comedy. Uh, I'm sorry to sort of straddle the middle on this issue. But it's just a really dangerous thing. It's a real tough subject. And I'm not trying to dodge any questions. I'm not trying to avoid taking a side. I just think comedy is super subjective. And it's a real dangerous art form. And you should be allowed to say whatever you want. And people should be allowed to react in any way you want. I said a similar thing about Chappelle last week. If you don't find Chappelle funny, say you don't find Chappelle funny. It's okay. It's acceptable. Some people do find him funny. I find him very funny. I can forgive the offensive material because he's making me laugh. And that's the whole point. This guy just wasn't funny. Who's to say where the line is? We just don't know. Uh, but there we go. There was the... Uh, there was Shane Gillis's SNL tenure. <laughs> Gone before we even knew it. Uh... Goodbye, Shane Gillis. I hope we never see you again because you don't seem particularly funny to me. (laughs) It's cultured a lot more coming up after the break. Stick around. So I didn't finish up the show yet and Adam Hall just walked in because we're doing a movie hall of fame after this. So Adam Hall, welcome. Hello. It's my uh, debut on the cultured podcast. (laughs) I'm so, Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm ready for my close up, (laughs) Mr. DeVille. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how long you've been waiting for this moment oh jesus my whole life yeah my whole life i'd like to thank uh i guess i can thank the academy why not 
And I'll thank. Uh, well, thank the uh, the Actors Guild of America, the Podcasters Guild of America, for letting you join. Is the there show. a Podcasters Guild? Yeah, they and you agreed to work for scale, and I really appreciate that. Oh God, is this a is this a union gig? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> we crossed the line. We crossed the picket line. Um, okay, I just had a few little notes, and you can chime in at okay. all if you'd like. Um, sure, but I I got all the good stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, big week for J Lo. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, we're talking about J Lo. We are talking about J Lo actually on the movie Hall of Fame. Listen to that podcast yes, this week. But Hustlers did very well at the box office. Like one of the big adult original movies to make a splash at the box office this year. It's like Hustlers, Us, and then a bunch of like superhero movies and animated sequels. Interesting. Okay. Um, did very well. Uh is getting Oscar buzz? What? For Hustlers. I'm not kidding you. For what? Hustlers. I heard it wasn't like that good. I mean, I heard it was like fine. She is evidently one of the front runners for best actress this year. J Lo. Yes, it's like J Lo for Hustlers and Renee Zellweger for the Judy Garland movie. Oh, those right. will be your two. Int- okay, cool. Hasn't Renee Zellweger won? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. I think, or maybe she hasn't. I thought she did. She might have been nominated and not won. Hmm, no, I thought she did. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it. She, she won for something. I don't know what, but she did. Um, I'm excited to live in a world where J-Lo plays a stripper in a movie and wins an Oscar for it. I'm excited for that world. There's another movie that she probably could have at least been nominated for out there. Yeah. She's quite good. Oh, she's great and out of and sight. And out of sight. We're going to talk about oh, that yeah. in a second. Uh, Renee Zellweger, Oscar winner. Okay, for Bridget for Jones? No. Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain. Cold, Cold Mountain. Oh, yeah, that thing. 2003. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Also nominated for Chicago and Bridget Jones's Diary. Cool. Yep. Okay. Do you find Renee Zellweger attractive? No. Neither do I, dude. No, that's okay. I f- who's, who's more attractive, Renee Zellweger or Sarah Jessica Parker? Oh, both with the big mouths? Yeah, the, uh, the horse faces and, or anteater faces. Oh. One has an anteater face and the other has a horse face. That's a family guy joke, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> they let Renee Zellweger on TV and she looks like a foot. So, <laughs> so J-Lo, Oscar buzz for Hustlers. Now we find out she may be the Super Bowl act this year. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's unique. Okay. What do you think? I'm cool with it. You're in? I might actually watch a Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. When's the last time you watched? God, I don't know, 24 years. (laughs) (laughs) Have you not paid attention since (laughs) Janet Jackson's nipple made an appearance? I saw Prince. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that was it. That's it? (laughs) I don't give a shit. You skipped over the rest? Do I look like the kind of guy who cares about Super Bowl halftime shows? Bruno Mars did nothing for you? No. Beyonce? (laughs) Fuck no. Coldplay? (laughs) Coldplay. Cold, I don't know, dude. No, dude. So no. Maroon 5 was last year. Yeah, I actually think the worst halftime show was Maroon 5. Oh, it was abysmal. Yeah. I, I, I was physically ill after watching that. Yeah. I had to go and void my bowels after <laughs> watching that <laughs> halftime show. So, I mean, really just as bad as everyone thought it would be. Yes. Isn't that remarkable, though? It's right. like, it's, I can't tell if it's a good or bad feeling, if it's just as bad as we all thought it was going to be. It's right. like, oh, oh, God, yeah. Damn, this really sucks. Yeah, I feel like most of them at least surprise me. You know what I mean? In some form or another. Like, I remember when Madonna did it, I was not so excited, and then she did it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Madonna's back. Okay. You know? That's fair. I guess, like, the the last... Because I, I grew up in seeing, like, like the Rolling Stones on the halftime, and like, eh, whatever, yeah, whatever. The Who, good. whatever, you know? Yeah. It's like... So, East Street Band was good, though. Okay. You ever seen Springsteen on there? Yeah, I guess that's true. That one was really good. But I think a lot of the pop stars, the, their acts just all feel the same to me, so it didn't... Aside from Prince, really. I mean, yeah. not really pop. I don't know where you put him. Prince but, is like its own tier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just it's the most incredible halftime show ever. I mean, like one of the most incredible live performances ever. Yeah. Like, you see Prince, it's like, why is anyone else in show business? I actually had to explain this to, to my girlfriend, because she, she, she always asks me these funny questions. Like, why is it the best ever? I'm like, well, because when he does Purple Rain, it literally starts raining Purple Rain. Yes! <laughs> I know! How amazing is that? It was raining in Indianapolis, Indiana, when they were... 
nap time. It simply could not be more perfect. And the rain was glowing. And then they have the little tarp. Remember the, 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 what is it? The white screen Mm -hmm. that has the silhouette of Prince just shredding on electric guitar. Amazing. Like one of the most incredible guitar solos I've ever seen in any performance ever. (laughs) And it's in the middle of this stupid football game. It's like a historical moment. It's like one of the greatest things to happen on planet Earth. Why they didn't just give it to him every year after that? <laughs> it's true. You know, they gave it to Justin Timberlake twice, but Prince oh, yeah, only got to go once. Oh, remember when they, because when Timberlake came back the second time, yeah. he performed in Minnesota, uh-huh. so he did the Prince tribute. Remember with the hologram? Oh, oh, oh God, that's right. Remember that? And it was a big controversy uh, because Prince hated uh, Justin Timberlake. That's right. Oh, that's so weird. That one was pretty bad, too. How do we let that fly? Yeah, dude, I don't know, man. There's Justin a- Timberlake should not be the heir apparent to <laughs> Prince Rogers. <laughs> Excellent point. Uh, Justin Timberlake. Uh I'm I am uh I am co signing this J Lo hire. Okay. I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm not like I, I'm not like like, oh my god, really? Wow. They're they're totally different. But I'm like, you know, this is a I don't know. It it it, it makes me feel a little bit better than some of the prior ones. Who was the one uh uh, did, did Lady Gaga do one? Yes, where she fell from the the. the I the liked roof. the Lady Gaga one. I, yeah, that one I didn't watch. That one I liked. They did Coldplay. So Coldplay came on for 2016, and then like, oh, Coldplay really sucks. We should mm-hmm. just bring Beyonce and Bruno Mars there to steal the show, mm-hmm. and so they did. And it's mm-hmm. like their two songs were way better than anything. I know Coldplay did. Coldplay just sucks, dude. Katy Perry had Left Shark, whatever. You know, have the giant lion. Yeah, I only know about Left Shark because of Zach Caponegro and his little Lego figurine. That's right. That's the only reason why I know what Left Shark is. Oh, remember when Bruno Mars brought the Red Hot Chili Peppers on? Oh, God. That was so awkward. So cringe. Yeah, right? It was the weirdest combo. I was like, what the... Wait, what? Did, this is a completely different thing now. Yeah. <laughs> Flea's there. Not, no shirt on. Yeah. Like, no, they they never have shirts on. Give it away. <laughs> give it away. Give it away now. Ugh. It's like you go from James Brown terrible. to these guys. I know. Yeah, that one was weird. It makes perfect sense, actually. Well, if you think about it, it makes perfect yeah, sense. The evolution of <laughs> rock and roll music right there. Uh... Yeah, I, as long as J-Lo is scantily clad, shaking her ass on TV, I'm in. <laughs> Let's do it. You're a sexist pig. I'm not a sexist pig. I admire beauty. Oh. Well, when you word it like that. Is J-Lo... <laughs> I, I know we're going to talk about this on the other podcast. <laughs> is J-Lo more attractive now than she was 20 years ago? I, I, I would love to agree with you, but I think after watching out of sight i i do like younger j-lo personally okay it's a taste it i would not argue against you though if you said she looks better now though but let me put it that way yeah uh okay new cast for suicide squad oh yeah oh i saw this did you did you see this so yeah. suicide squad 2 directed by james gunn <laughs> okay so weird he's already made a suicide squad movie jesus christ basically yeah um and this is separate and apart from Margot Robbie's Birds of Prey movie. Yeah. Which uh which is coming out I think in February. <laughs> and it's like she's also playing Harley Quinn and it's very strange. February, huh? It's too bad. Yeah. Let me give you some names from the upcoming Suicide Squad movie that were not in the previous movie, I should say. Pete Davidson. <laughs> okay. Uh Big Dick Energy himself. <laughs> former boyfriend of Ariana Grande. John Cena making an appearance. Mm-hmm. Nathan Fillion, which is awesome. I'm I'm happy with that. Are you a Nathan Fillion head? And okay, did you watch Castle? There is a di- there is a distinction to be made here. I admire Nathan Nathan Fillion. I'm like two Nathan Fillion shows away from becoming a Fillion head. I think. Okay, not have quite you, not quite there yet. Have you watched Firefly? A little bit, yeah. Okay, I hear Firefly is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. I need to do that. <laughs> it's great. It's actually a, a I think a very Nico show. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michael Rooker making an appearance in Suicide Squad. A James Gunn favorite. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> now she's going to get confusing. <laughs> it's very confusing. Uh, no, that's the thing. Everyone's just in everything. Oh, you thought it was confusing before. Taika Waititi. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> is in the Suicide Squad. Oh, what the hell is going on? Who is he playing? I don't know. I would assume some animated creature of some kind. <laughs> I just want. How about just Taika Waititi as Taika Waititi? Yeah, that I'm down with that. What a weird character that Taika <laughs> Waititi is. He is. <laughs> Are you excited for Jojo Rabbit? 
not really, but I'll go see it and maybe I'll be impressed. It won the audience award at something this week. Okay. Was it not Venice? Uh, <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. Tell your ride. I don't know. Oh, no, Toronto. It won the audience prize at Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Uh, and Will Smith not returning, but Idris Elba is there. Oh, is he playing Deadshot? No. Oh. Different character, I think. So there you go. Suicide Squad 2. What's your excitement level on a scale of uh, the Robert Pattinson Batman being one <laughs> and the Joker being 10? I'm about, I'm about like Superman Returns level excited. I dig it. Yeah. I'm there with you. Yeah. Do you like Superman Returns? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let me adjust on mine then. I am. Do you like Superman Returns? No. Uh, but <laughs> I I like it better than you. I think. Uh, I'm at X Men Apocalypse level of excitement. Okay, but here's the thing. Prior to seeing that that piece of shit, <laughs> I would say I was like, oh, X-Men Apocalypse, that looks kind of cool. <laughs> One of the underreported stories of the superhero era is how those X-Men prequels just took a total nosedive. Oh my God. Isn't it terrible? Oh, what happened? I don't know. Because I think Days of Future Past is kind of remarkable. I love Days of Future Past. So I, I think First Class is actually the superior. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think Days of Future Past is fine. Um, it's a little gimmicky. Mm. Um, I disagree. I love it. The Richard Nixon thing in that was <laughs> kind of weird. Uh, no, I, I like First Class the best. I think that's actually my favorite, aside from Logan, my favorite X-Men movie. Yeah. Uh, but after that, Apocalypse and yeah. what was what was anyone called? Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix apparently was awful. awful. Yeah, that's what everyone says. Yeah. I don't know how true that is. I need to see it. I bet you it's just fine. Mm. But... Um, two in memoriams. We're going to close the show with two in memoriams okay. this week. First of all, Eddie Money. Yeah. Eddie Money, uh, who I misread on my CNN news alert this week as Eddie Murphy. Oh. <laughs> and I almost had a fucking heart attack. Oh, my God. Oh, that was not fun. I bet. <laughs> Eddie, I read it. Eddie Murphy dies at 70. And I think he's like around that. Maybe he's a little. <laughs> Eddie Murphy? Is Eddie Murphy no, 70? No, he's not. <laughs> he's not? No, I bet you he's. I'm saying he's 57. Okay. Eddie Murphy, 57. That's my guess. Well, let's look it up right now. I bought that Eddie Murphy was 70. I don't 70 know. years old? What the hell are you smoking? He had just been away for so long. I just figured. Not, not dude. No. Um, is he? 58. Ooh. Close. Okay. Still. Uh, I was not familiar with the work of Eddie Money until I realized he's what? the guy that sings Two Tickets to Paradise. Yeah, man. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, too bad. <laughs> for him. <laughs> I love the level of intrigue with trying to figure out who this guy is. And then once you do, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. if you had told me he was dead before, I would have been like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I would just panicked about Eddie Murphy because I know he's got a new <laughs> Netflix stand-up special coming out. Yeah. And I don't want him to die before that comes out. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so rest in peace to Eddie Money. And also rest in peace to Movie Pass. Yep. Which just shut down this week. Finally. What a weird experiment that was. I am proud to say that I was once a card-carrying member of Movie Pass. Oh, I know you were. Yeah. And you used to try to get me to do it. And every time you did, I was like, nah. Nah, I got better things to do. This doesn't feel right. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. You're like, where's the scam? <laughs> Pretty much. No, I was like, nah, nah, man. Nah. I am the housewife that was like, is home alone. Da uh, father of the family is at work. And... I get a call from a stockbroker. It's like, yo, you want to invest in some precious metals? <laughs> You're and like, I'm like, yeah. I'll take 5000 <laughs> And then dad comes home. You're dad. And you're like, what the fuck did you just do with our vacation money? That was you and me with MoviePass. I'm like, Adam, it's going to work out. $10 a month. I wasn't as like vehemently. <laughs> $10 a month. I wasn't like... <laughs> That's why you don't have to just subscribe to fucking everything, okay? <laughs> I got to do it. I don't care how cheap it is, but I'm like, nah, dude, just 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 give it like a quick look and you'll be like, eh. It worked for about a year. And then after a year, they started shutting down the service for me. They yeah. were like, you can't, you can only buy like a ticket a week mm -hmm. and we're going to jack it to $20 a month and you can only see these amount of movies. And exactly. You just... No man, just go buy your ticket. What do you What do you want? Just go. Well, to I do want to thank Movie Pass for at least like starting the conversation because Movie Pass died on the cross, so AMC Plus or whatever they call it 
Oh, AMC A-list. Yep. Could live on. And that is what I currently subscribe to, and I'm very happy about it. Good for you. So, uh, Movie Pass, gone before its time. Ahead of its time, really. But also <laughs> behind on its bank account. So, so not ahead of its time, ultimately. I mean, I don't know. Like, sometimes pioneers lose hundreds of millions of dollars on bad investments. I, that happens. I suppose you're right. You this miss. Is, yeah. Like Jesus. Dude, that thing's going to be in a museum. The movie pass, I'm going to keep mine. It's going to be one of those things. In 50 years, someone's going to want to buy it from me. You could sell on eBay for $5,000. So yeah. you might pick up just your card. This oh, relic sure. of a thing that I used that I have that doesn't exist anymore. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait for yeah. the day. Like Twinkies. Yeah, when movie theaters are no longer a thing. <laughs> Did people buy Twinkies for five grand on eBay? People were. I, I saw an ad for, a, I think, a box of Twinkies. And I think there's like, I don't know, 12 in a box. And someone priced it up to, I think, $350. And some asshole bought that. Oh. <laughs> $350 box of fucking Twinkies. Well, they were doing that with the Disney VHS tapes. Yeah. Oh, God. Remember that? Right. Yeah. I still have a ton of mine. So I saw this thing. I forget. Someone sent it to me. I think, you know what? Oh, it was definitely Zach. I know for a fact it was Zach because he's the only one stupid enough to fall for this shit. <laughs> it, it, he sent me this article that said, these old VHS tapes with like a special star yeah. or label on it were from this special Disney vault collection oh, and they yeah. were selling for like $10,000 on eBay. That's right. So I went through, I had a box of VHS tapes and I found like 10 of these and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm set for life. This is it. And then I quickly realized that people were listing them for 10 grand on eBay, but no one was actually buying them for 10 grand on eBay. So it was a total viral hoax. Dumbass. Yeah, that was uh, one of the many times in my life when I thought I had it made. It happens every day. Every day. <laughs> I could just stop working now. I think that's what they call podcasting. <laughs> what a sad experience. What a every dream. day you think you've, you've just made it. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I'm going to do it this time. Nope, definitely not. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of Cultured. Adam, thanks for coming in at the 11th hour. Oh, no problem. And helping us get to the end of this. Check out the website, toomanythoughtsmedia.com or tmt.media for short, where you can find two of our podcasts, including Why Is This a Thing and the Movie Hall of Fame that we're about to record right now. Mm-hmm. Films of 1998, available on the website, tmt.media. Check it out. Here we go. Can't wait for this one. <laughs> yeah, I know you can. You have something cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can smell what the... Adam Hall is cooking, and I'm not into it. We'll see what happens. I'm, uh, I'm eyeing the winner right now. Oh, Which shit. one is it? Until next time, y'all. Please come back. Because then and only then, will you and I get culture!